disease. Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to SEN Afternoons this Monday. It is the 6th of November. One more sleep before the race that stops the nation. Great to have you along for the start of our brand-new sporting week. Julian King in the hot seat for Jimmy Smith today and tomorrow. In fact, all week, Jimmy's tied up on bacon and egg breakfast duty. Great to have you along wherever you tuned in. SEN 11.70am in Sydney. SEN Q693 in Brisbane. SEN 16.20 on the Gold Coast and across the globe via the SEN app. I would love to hear from you on the show today. The open line number, 1300 01 1170. 1300 01 1170. And that all-important text line, 0457 736 736. As per usual, 100 bucks cash to the best caller on the show today, thanks to Tristan Merlihan and Top Sport. And for our best texter, we have up for grabs. In fact, no, sorry, scratch that. Coach K has just waved his finger at me and said, no, no, the Signal Boost Power Bank today... It's for the Who Am I, the ever-popular Who Am I. Signum Boost Power Bank, valued at $44.95. The Signum Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Of course, we're here thanks to our great friends, sponsors of the afternoon program, sbsfence.com.au. Joining us on the show, shortly I'll catch up with Zach Bailey from the Nine Network to break down the specific championships final. Where did it go wrong? Complacency was a word that Cameron Munster used and others. There's an understatement. It was a stunning, well-deserved win of the Kiwis. The Kangaroos, well, they got their backsides handed to them, and deservedly so. We'll also cross live to Staffy from SENZ later on this hour. He'll be a very happy man. Tess Connery Britton from Media Week, back as she is every Monday to look at the weekend's TV ratings. And Laurie Horish with an NFL chat. Now, we've got to start with Rugby League. As I said, they got spanked. The Aussies, worst ever defeat. By the Kangaroos. They were insipid, they were drab, totally without spark. The body language is poor, the attitude non existent. And as I said, they deserve to get their backsides handed to them. New Zealand, outstanding, came to play. And you've got to take your hat off to Michael Maguire and the entire squad. So well done to them. Taking out the inaugural Pacific Cup final, they kept the Kangaroos scoreless. So what's more pleasing for them, the 30 points or the nil? Coaches will always say nil. I mean, aside with that amount of attacking strikers the Kangaroos have, to not even look like scoring a point, highly impressive. The thing about it was, it was 12 minutes at half time, and the Kiwi faithful were just daring to dream, albeit in front of a, a an underwhelming crowd in Hamilton. And I don't know about you, but as an Aussie fan, I'm thinking, okay, they're a bit lacklustre this first half, 12 nil, a couple of converted tries. Uh, you know, the Mal will give them a chat at half time. They'll right their wrongs, they'll come out, and they should be too strong in the second half. It went the other way. They then conceded a further 18 unanswered points on their way to their heaviest ever defeat. And that was seven days, only seven days after going down New Zealand to Australia 36-18. That is a stunning turnaround. And Dylan Brown copped the brunt of the criticism last week, gone missing. He was superb. Jerome Hughes was great. What about the wingers on the edge? Multitalo. Jermaine Asako, dazzling. And the Kangaroos were held scoreless for the first time since their 2005 Tri-Nations final defeat. And what do you do? I mean, look at this. 50 missed tackles and 11 errors. 50 missed tackles, 11 errors. Late change at the start. Of course, Cam Murray was a big out for the Kangaroos. So Reuben Cotter started. Then Nico Hines joined the bench. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Was he the best person to come onto the bench? In the first half, the Kiwis had 59% of the possession. Charles Nickel Cook say, you've got to be happy for this bloke. I don't know anyone that's not. 277 running metres, six tackle breaks, player of the match performance. 
A few people are having a bit of a dig, actually, at Isaiah Yo. Still made 44 tackles. Tried hard. I mean, they all tried hard. Kangaroos missed 38 tackles in the first half. 38 in the first half. That was 21 more than the Kiwis. The last time New Zealand beat Australia was way back in 2018. Yes, this is good for International Rugby League. PNG defeating Fiji, good for International Rugby League. And there was another great turnaround. And this time last week, I was heaping praise on the Australians, as most were, questioning how New Zealand could break down the Aussie defence. I read a tweet by Phil Gould after Australia's victory last week. And I'll read it to you again. This is what Gus said seven days ago. Australia far too clinical for New Zealand in the rugby league last night. The Kiwis just can't seem to get their act together. They have great players. They try their hearts out. Don't ever develop the level of attacking combinations and strategy or defensive cohesion that the Australian teams managed to acquire in these short-term representative team preparations. I honestly think that the experience gained by Australian players in the state of origin pressure cooker each year assists greatly in bringing the Aussie team together as such a cohesive unit. The Kiwi players just don't get this high-level experience. When it counts, Australia just look more organised. Kiwis should learn a lot from last night. Will it be enough to reverse the result next weekend? I highly doubt it. Wonderful entertainment, though. I love watching the Australian team play. Do you think that still holds water? What Gus said? That state of origin makes the Aussies a more cohesive unit. I loved watching New Zealand on Saturday. They ambushed the Aussies. The middles were superb. Fisher-Harris, Leota, Joe Tarpanay, 87 post-contact metres off the charts. And we said Chance, mentioned those numbers, deserved player of the match. One of the most likeable players in the game. I think Blues fans are entitled to be excited about Michael Maguire after that performance. He outcoached Mal. He outcoached Mal. And that's the thing. The concern I had for New Zealand was how they're going to find points. How can they break down this Australian defence? And what was interesting, so you know what, we can't bust them in the middle. Let's just go around them. Their first three tries were off tackle one plays. And their line speed was magnificent. That punch for the middle, second phase play offloads, blew Australia off the chart in that department. And so you're bending them all of a sudden, second phase play, you go wide and use your speed man. That's what they did. They did really, really well. The Aussies were fatigued because they had no ball. This boring one-out stuff. Haas, I think, just got 100 run metres. It's rare to you see him with such a low number in that department. I said at the time it was a really drab display. It's almost as if they just showed up expecting to win. After last week, they all be right. Rock up, go through the motions, there'll be enough. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. So well done in New Zealand. This is not about how badly Australia played. Equally, it's about how well New Zealand play. Let me ask you this, though. And I mentioned this on Sunday Sports Central yesterday. If every player was fit and available for Australia right now, Who's in your side? So, say, for example, they're playing again next weekend. Everyone's available. You can pick anyone. Who's in your side and who is not? Is Turbo there? Is Latrell there? You find a place for Ponger or for Walsh. Is Dylan Edwards your fullback? Is Tedesco in your side? If you're picking it next week, everyone's fit and available. Is Tedesco your fullback and captain? Now, I'm not prepared at this stage to say, you know, the cards are marked never to play for Australia again. Yeah, there were some poor performances, no doubt. But now it's a long time between drinks before they play their next test match. I mean, what if James Tedesco brains it at the start of next season? 
And the other thing about it is, if Australia played New Zealand again next weekend, I suspect the Aussies win. But they're not playing next weekend. And they didn't rise to the occasion. When it counted, they did not, and New Zealand did. So I want to get your thoughts on that today in the aftermath. As I said, I'll catch up with Zach Bailey shortly on the program. Now, this is a tune dedicated to our friends in England. So long, farewell, I'll be just saying adieu. Adieu, adieu. To Root and, and, and Milan and Wood and Stokes and Butler and the rest of them. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? You know, Matthew White's addressed this in rather great detail. All the explanations put forth as to England's abject performance this World Cup, some have suggested because it's an ageing squad. Well, hang on a minute. Virat Kohli's 35. David Warner's about 100. And he's, I think, the fourth or fifth highest run scorer of this tournament. So Virat, 35, scored a tonne last night on his birthday. He's 49, 30, 100. Barely plays list day cricket. Well, this is Ben Stokes' summary. Have a listen. No, I think... The problem is, is that we've been crap. John, as honestly speaking, we've been crap and we've just not been able to, to put a full game together or even got close to putting a full game together except against Bangladesh. I think that, that's where it is as a team. We've been nowhere near good enough to, to be able to compete in a World Cup, which has been incredibly disappointing because we know we're so, so much better than what we've shown out here. That is true, but it's an honest self-appraisal by the England Test captain. Yes, they were crap, Absolutely. Oh, crap. Nice knock by Marnus, I've got to say. Really important contribution, too, by Adam Zampa. Leading wicket-taker in the tournament. You know, I mentioned that to a few people. They go, oh, really? Had no idea. He's the BP quiet achiever. Adam Zampa. Consecutive three for... He's a class, class player in white ball cricket. And a really important role he played with the bat. I think what was pleasing for the Aussies was they found a way to win with their top order not firing. 286 was competitive, but... I wasn't super confident that it would be enough because England's a very strong chasing team and there's always the fear that a side with that much class on paper would, at one point during this tournament, put it together. But the top order didn't fire. They lost Head and Warner early. And it was left to Smith and Marnus to stabilise and they did that with a 100-run partnership. So they needed the Australians, importantly, to win given different match scenarios. And they did so as well under Metabat, a, a very tacky two-paced wicket. And so now they've got Afghanistan tomorrow night, Bangladesh Saturday. A win against either of those teams will see them secure a semi-final berth. I'd like them to finish second or third so they don't meet India. What about India last night? This was 1v2. They destroyed South Africa by 243 runs. South Africa couldn't muster 100. Again, wouldn't it be glorious, though, if India lost their first knockout game in the semis? be utterly glorious. And just on that, I mean, this is an Aussie team that did it without Mitch Marsh and did it without Glenn Maxwell. Cameron Green played pretty well, actually. And don't forget, a about was a site of his one and only Test 100, so he's familiar with the venue. But by his own admission, reckons he'll be the first victim when Maxwell and Marsh return. And he said, OK, we want the best team out in the field. Unfortunately, I'm missing out. Cam Green hit 47 from 52 and he helped steady that Aussie innings. Never really fired, but as I said, you know, 286 proved to be enough. 33-run victory over England. And he basically said, look, we won five in a row, got to be doing something right. Those two guys, straight back in. We're so excited to get Mitch back and then Maxie, I think it's an eight-day protocol that ends on the match day, so he's all good to go.
So Green replaced Marsh in the team, but Marsh has said he's going to come back. Well, Marcus Stornis is the other one too. And how do you squeeze Marnus in? Stornis, 35 from 32. We've got some Sheffield Shield action on today. New South Wales WA. I had a brief chat when I crossed paths with Jimmy earlier this morning. Suffice to say, again, didn't have kind things to say about the New South Wales Blues team. He also sacked a lot of them. And the Vicks are playing the Tassie Tigers. We've got some women's big bash action on tonight as well. Look, Eddie Jones has copped a bashing from all and sundry after the World Cup failure. And rightly so in many instances. I'll give him a wrap here. You know, I mentioned this yesterday on Sports Central. It was in Daddy Widler's column. I don't know if you read it. But it reads as follows. Outgoing Wallabies coach Eddie Jones has left more than $500,000 and some parting advice for Rugby Australia on the table, in his view. So he reckons they've got to follow the leader, Phil Gould, and the Bulldogs and the Panthers and rebuild from the bottom up. But that's not what I want to talk about. According to sources, speaking on the condition of anonymity, love that, Jones, Eddie Jones, had a clause in his Rugby Australia contract that allowed him to walk if the governing body was unable to implement the kind of high-performance setup he wanted as part of his rebuild. Now, he could have taken a huge payout, Eddie Jones, but preferred the money to be used for the development of a high-performance unit. Sources speaking on the condition of anonymity said Jones was entitled to a year's salary, or in this case, nine months, because he didn't make a full year. The cash-strapped Rugby Australia jumped at the chance to leave the deal without a financial sentiment. So the contract was designed so that after 12 months, if certain conditions were not met, there was an opportunity for either party to walk away, according to Eddie Jones. You know, I think that's been the case. And yes, he's adamant the Wallabies can be a force again. So according to what Widler wrote yesterday, Eddie Jones was entitled, was entitled to a payout, but did not take the money. Cited against it. If that's the case, well done, Eddie Jones, because that, in some respect at least, shows a degree of commitment to Australian rugby. And the fact that he was entitled to one, well, that's McLennan's problem. Whatever he needs, whatever he needs. How'd that work out? Now, Brazilian Grand Prix, Oscar Piastri, Daniel Ricciardo, the Aussie duo, they're both going for points. Uh, wasn't a great race for them. Brazil is just not a happy hunting ground for Danny Rick. He had a bit of debris flying to the car. It was, it was tough for him. And then the, the red flag came out and wasn't allowed to unlap, unfortunately. Max Verstappen led all the way. It was just boring now, isn't it? Claim his 17th win of the season. Six cars retired. Six cars retired. Carlos Sainz finished sixth. Aston Martin's Lance Stroll and Red Bull Sergio Perez crossed the line in fifth and fourth, respectively. Uh, Lando Norris, Piastri's McLaren teammate, took second, and Fernando Alonso secured his first podium finish since holding the P2 trophy aloft after the Dutch Grand Prix. So there you go. Now, it is Cup Day tomorrow. Uh, are you in the grips of Melbourne Cup fever? I know my colleague Joel Kane absolutely adores Cup Day. It's his favourite day of the year. You know what? Probably see a rate rise tomorrow. She'll be a bit nasty, but personally, I, you know, it's just lost its luster a little bit. Not to say I don't like it because I do. I'm not quite as captivated by it as I once was. Having said that, if you got a tip for the cup tomorrow, and everybody does, more tips than a tin of asparagus, as they say. I'm all ears, all ears, and we will take a more comprehensive look at the race that stops the nation on tomorrow's program. I'll see if I can get a phantom caller on. As well, that'll be a bit of fun. Now, you know what we have to do? We've got to congratulate Aussie tennis star or tennis player Storm Hunter. Well done, Storm Hunter. She will finish the 2023 season as the world's top-ranked doubles player. 
That is an achievement. The 29-year-old Aussie guaranteed her progression to world number one, advancing to the semis at the WTA finals in Cancun. That means that she'll leapfrog American duo Coco Goff and Jess Pagula when the next edition of the rankings are released following the conclusions of the WTA finals. Great achievement. Hunter's been rewarded for a consistent season, saw her win 42 of her first 56 matches. It is such a cool name. Such a cool name. So we were spitballing this in the office a bit earlier. I thought, there's something in that today. What are some of the coolest names in sport? Not necessarily the funniest. So, you know, your dick trickles and stuff. I probably give those a bit of a miss. But just cool-sounding sports names, like Will Power. That's a cool name. I even think Payne Haas is a pretty cool name. Remember the Cowboys back row? Steel Retchless. One for Coach K, basketball fan. I reckon Dante Exum. It's just a cool-sounding name. 0457 736 736. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things today. Uh, firstly, if you're picking a Kangaroos team tomorrow, everyone's fit and available. Who's your fullback? Who's in your side? Who's not in your side? More to the point. They're prepared to sack someone after that inept performance on Saturday afternoon. So get your thoughts on that, the Kangaroos as well. Play selector, by all means. And also, just some really cool names off the back of Storm Hunter, now becoming the Australian tennis player, the number one ranked doubles player in the world. I love the, in the NRLW, the Gold Coast, when you're Destiny Minnow sit a party. That's a great sounding name. Usain Bolt's a good name too. Charles in charge. What about Aaron Judges? I can't imagine because he's a New York Yankees man. But it's kind of not a bad name. Tiger Woods. Souths fans, Bow Champion. There's a great name. Really cool sounding names. They're not the funny ones necessarily, but they're just the cool sounding, awesome sounding names in the world of sport. $100 cash to give away to the best caller on the program today. And of course, don't forget who am I coming up a little bit later. 1300 01170, the open line number, the text line 0457 736 736. Up and running on this Monday afternoon, still morning in our Queensland areas. Good morning to you. Jules in the chair for Jimmy Smith. We'll take our first break. On the other side of this, we'll talk all things rugby league with Zach Bailey from the Nine Network.